This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. I know the questions kept coming in about parenting and you're like, what? What's going on here? And now I'm sending my kid to college and I'm an empty nester and then I got other kids at home. I'm just so confused lately. You have not brought anybody on about parenting in years. Okay. Well, Andy is here, but before I bring Andy in, just let me tell you a little bit about Andy is a business entrepreneur turned parent coach. He became a coach after his child experience, anxiety and depression, where he and his wife felt all alone. I know you guys have felt this without approaches to help them. Now he works with parents to help them achieve more confidence and joy in their lives. And he's coming from Atlanta. Hi, how are you, Andy? Hi, I'm fantastic, Sandy. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm All right. from New York, but live in Atlanta for the past 28 years. 28 years. Do you love it there? We do. Yeah. We do. It's a it's I a great it. it's a great city and you know the northeast is great too and we love to visit. Yeah. We always know where we came from. I like it all. All right, before we get into solving all the parenting problems today in less than 45 minutes, what's your one word? One word to best describe your past 30 days, whatever word it is, and then why'd you pick it? One word to describe my past 30 days, I think whatever. is Pops yeah. in your head. Just enjoyment. Enjoyment. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. Why enjoyment? I worked pretty darn hard last year and I didn't need to because I've sold some businesses. Oh. And I realized that a lot of my self-worth really was tied into um, some of the work I was doing. And my self-worth is really about me being authentic to myself and me being able to enjoy myself. And so this past past month, much less this past year, we've been, my wife and I have just been trying to enjoy each other and, and mm. do more things that we wouldn't have done otherwise. And as an example, on a whim, um, we have some cousins who called us about a month ago and on a whim, they basically said, Hey, do you want to fly to Las Vegas for a weekend and go see Bruno Mars together? No. And so Friday afternoon, we're going to be flying to Las Vegas for basically 48 hours to do, to enjoy ourselves, to just, you know, and to see our cousins and, and ordinarily we wouldn't have done that. And life is short. Parenting is hard. And a lot of parents lives are focused so much on their kids and their jobs during the most important years of their lives. And mine was too. Um, and so having that enjoyment now, uh, you know, is, uh, is, has been, uh, has been great. It's just my blood pressure has gone down and, and, uh, and I'm much happier and, and, uh, and I'm in a fortunate place where I can make those choices. Okay. Bruno Mars. I love Bruno Mars. Please tell me you love him. Are you just going because it's the opportunity? No, I think he's great. Yeah, isn't he phenomenal? So I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him, and uh, and uh, and um, 
That's pretty spur of the moment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm a planner, a little bit of a planner. So that was kind of spontaneous. We didn't get on a plane the day we were invited. We still had to plan it for a couple, you know, for, for, for a month or so, but, but ordinarily we wouldn't have spent the money or we wouldn't have, you know, just said, Hey, 48 hours. That's a, that's a long way to go from Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, But an opportunity like that, where you can see some good family that you don't see that often, they're not local to us. Um, you know, you create memories. So happy. I'm so happy for you. All right. So you talk about your daughter a lot. How old is your daughter now? She's 23. Ah, and where is she? She's located, uh, about five miles from us. She, uh, she lives with her boyfriend and is working. Um, but she has had a She's had an uh, uh, an interesting path and journey over the past ten years, and and it's been um, a roller coaster for sure. It's been up yeah. and down, uh, and uh, at, at first it was very lonely, and it's one of the and we didn't know where to turn. So that's one of the reasons that parent coaching yeah. became interesting to me because I I wanted to help parents not have to experience the loneliness, the stigma the lack of knowing what to do. Mm. And, uh, and so being able to do that has been a joy and a privilege for me. So you talked about your daughter and you took her to a wilderness retreat. How old was she when you said, you said for a year, right? Yeah. So she, she went to, it's called wilderness therapy. It's a, it's a, it's for those who aren't familiar with it. And we certainly weren't at first. Um, um, she went to a, a program that's a basically a 10 week program where mm. you're basically removed from all of your triggers and everything that's going on in your, in your life that allows you to kind of have a reset button. And she went there uh, for 10 weeks. Um, and then subsequent to that, she went to a residential treatment program where they put some stress back on you. You get a job, you finish school, you have, and that was that was the remaining time. So that was over ten months, and, uh, and before she returned home. So she was literally, she had she was literally away from us, you know, in her senior year of high school uh, mm-hmm. for for thirteen months, and and uh, it was very difficult. It was very expensive. It probably saved her life. And, really? Uh, yeah. And what happened? Just backing up when she was, you know, she's this effervescent child. Uh, she had curly reddish hair like you do, you know, reddish brown. She's more red, <laughs> but and and uh, and has an outgoing personality like you do. Yeah. She she never met a stranger, um, but mm-hmm. when she was thirteen, she started struggling a little bit in school, and we oh. got her tested, and it ended up that she had a short term memory challenge. Her the way her brain was firing as it was developing, she wasn't retaining information the same way as when she was wow. growing. She's developed some other skills and coping mechanisms for that, but that's the way her brain is. And so kids started surpassing her academically and emotionally, and she couldn't keep up. And so what did she do? She, you know, she started getting into drugs, hanging out with the wrong crowd, mm-hmm. being defiant, not listening, finding ways to escape after hours, you know, doing things like that. Um, and 
you know, what, what were we trying to do in the meantime? We were trying to do everything we can as parents at our disposal. So we got her a tutor. We took her to a psychiatrist to get medicated for ADD, ADHD. Mm-hmm. We um, got her an IEP at school, uh, an individualized educational program. Um, and we invested in having her have a therapist where she went once a week. It wasn't enough. And uh, we found out about this ecosystem through her pediatrician. Yeah. Who mentioned it. And when we did some investigation, we realized it was kind of our only solution at this point because we were not communicating. Mm. What we did as parents was we tried to lock down on her for her safety. And that actually pushed her way further. Yeah. So, um, so, um, you know, that program really was helpful. And one of the things we realized, fortunately, was that my wife and I needed help too. We were grieving a little bit. Um, when she was, when she was away, my wife and I were grieving a bit about her path. Um, our parenting styles were very different. I was kind of the get her done kind of guy. And my wife was the more permissive, sensitive person. And we weren't well, well aligned. And there was a little blame and shame. And we had to forgive each other and figure out how to communicate better and more proactively with our with our daughter while she was away and when she came back. And uh, it changed our marriage. It changed the way we communicate. It changed our mm-hmm. life. And, and it emanates into other parts of our lives in terms of the way we communicate because we're just far more attuned and understanding yeah. of others. I know every, so many parents that are t- tuning in are like holding their hearts because they, they can feel their pain with you know struggles they've gone through. Because when I said you were coming on, I have pages, pages of people reaching out, you know, with oh. their struggles. And some of them, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to say anything because they're almost embarrassed. Like I was going through some of them and I always make up names, like, you know, Sally Bell, Billy Bob. So, you know, we'll protect the innocent. But there was a repeating pattern of people not wanting to share with their family or friends because they took it personally, like they did something wrong. They were bad parents. And when they even mentioned it to like their mom or dad, the kid's grandparents, the parents would blame them and say, well, you did this wrong. You should have did this. You should have set a curfew. So the biggest question I kept getting over and over and over again is how do I even talk about it to my family? Meaning the kids' grandparents, like they're feeling so judged by their parents. I don't know if you felt that, but over it, I cannot tell you how many times people said that to me. Yeah. Well, uh, I see that over and over again. The you stigma do? Of, the stigma of mental illness, I think mental illness or, or, struggles with children coming out of COVID has been a lot more publicized and people see it. So maybe the stigma is going down a little bit, but the stigma, it's still out there. It is stigmatized and people are embarrassed. They don't want to share. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to feel shame and blame Mm -hmm. uh, with others in their community, much less themselves, because people are always comparing, especially on social media nowadays. Everybody says Mm -hmm. how, how great everything is, and it's not always so great. 
And uh, and so we 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 felt that ourselves. Um, fortunately, we didn't hide from it because our daughter left our home, and so people that we knew well said, "What's up with your daughter?" <laughs> and we basically, you know, we didn't promote ourselves, but we didn't lie. We basically, you know, they knew we were struggling and, and all the rest. And frankly, it opened other doors for people who started calling us saying, I'm struggling too. What do you mind talking to me? And that's what made me realize that there was a real need. And, and I, the problem that people have uh, with family members or others, and even parents themselves is you were brought up in a certain way and you have uh, a, a point of view in terms of what parenting and childhood are supposed to be like. And when it doesn't fit that mold, you question everything, um, and it really isn't fair. You don't know what's below the below the waterline in an iceberg. You don't know what's going on in the family dynamic, and uh, and you know what I tell parents who feel terrible about their situation and about their kid and about themselves is, hey, you you you've done your best. Nobody's a bad parent. Yeah, uh, people do their best with what they have, and they need ways to find to improve to connect with their kid as opposed to lecturing their kid or putting their kid in a certain box based upon the ways that they think their kid is going to be. And when you talk to your relatives or, 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 or what have you, friends, relatives, people in the community, it's just best to be honest and to set boundaries. I mean, it's just like setting boundaries with your kids. If you, if you know, my mother, is in her eighties and she's kind of old fashioned and she wondered what was happening to our daughter. And she tried to instruct me. And I basically said, I basically told her what I was willing to share and that I was doing my best and I'd appreciate her support, but that was kind of it. <laughs> and there was yeah. one point, there was one point that I said, you know, if you, you know, where we, where she wouldn't let go and we couldn't change the subject where I just said, I, I I'm going to need to stop this, you know, I'm not going to hang up on you. I'm not going to, I don't do that. And I'm not going to yell at you, but I, I'm going to need to end this conversation now, unless we can talk about something else. And, yeah. And, That's tough. yeah, it's not easy. And, and, you know, your parents just want the best for you too. Yeah. They want to support you, but the best way to support you is just to listen. It's not to tell you what to do because they, mm. you know, they, they, you know, um, because they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then second, I'm going to go right into it because sometimes they'll say, you never got to my question. The second biggest question I had was about being on the same page with your spouse, because like you were talking about, your parenting styles are different. Now, I've heard people say, you know, we complement one another, but let's quote Billy Bob. Billy Bob says, please ask Andy. What should I say to my wife when she says, well, when I was growing up, my mom would have done blah, blah, blah. When I was growing up, my dad would. He's like, I'm about at wit's end. We have five kids and I feel like they all need a different approach. Please help Andy. <laughs> Please help Andy. So um, the story you just shared, I get all the time. Oh, you um, do? Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, one example shall remain nameless, but 
literally a, a, a Southern woman and a Northern guy. And the Northern guy was brought up in a more strict family and the Southern woman, lovely woman, just more understanding, easier going. And, you know, when I was brought up in, you know, in the North, you know, we kind of did things this way and I'm not going to let go because that's uh, a real value that I have. And, and, and it, you have to break that down and realize you you need to do what's in the best interest of the child, <laughs> not just, yeah. is it more important to be right? Or is it more important or is it or more important to repeat what you did 30 years ago? Or is it more important to do what's in the best interest of the child right now? And so um, the, the thing that I encourage parents to do is be proactive. What happens is most parents are reactive to a situation. A kid gets into a car accident, a kid, uh, a, a child gets involved in drugs or alcohol, a child um, um, screws up in school or has an issue with a, you know, fail a class or has an incident or something like that. And it's always a reaction and there's always blame and then it escalates. And what I recommend, and parents handle it differently. And so what does that do? That makes the kid matter. It makes the kid more confused and it separates the parents more. And so what I recommend, and I work with parents and I work with partners and I work with co-parents, 45% of the population are families that don't, that don't have two parent households. So so 55% are more traditional, yeah, yeah. but 45% aren't. So that, so that's even harder. But when you're dealing when you're dealing with another party, basically you need to pick your what are the most important things for you to set boundaries with with your kid. And that means not picking a hundred things that you can be reactive to every day about them cleaning their room, doing their homework, doing you know, just being, having good manners, doing whatever, and just picking your fights along the way. It's pick your five things that are really important in your household to maintain your values and your sanity and help your kid develop their independence and happiness. And then talk to your partner, be it your wife or your husband or, or partner in advance and say, what are, what kind of rule or boundary are we going to set on that? And sometimes what happens is both agree, which is great, but doesn't normally happen. <laughs> sometimes compromises in order. And when that occurs, that's great. And you compromise. And sometimes one person digs their heels in and the other person says, you know, the other person needs to kind of wave or yield and basically say, okay, if it's that important to you, I'll, I'll let you do it your way this time. But next time, I hope you consider it to be my way a little bit for something that's really important to me. Then what you do is you present those things to your children in, in a collaborative way so that you basically say, you know what, if, if, if we're going to, you know, if, if we're going to have a, you know, we love you, but we have, you know, we want to have a happy household. And in order to do that, we all need to do our part. And here are a couple things that you need to do better uh, or work on. Um, and and we're going to give you a choice. You can choose to do these things or not do these things. If you do them, you'll benefit in a certain way. If you don't, here are specific consequences, meaning you can't drive our car you can't have technology for a certain period of time. We're not going to pay for this or that or the other thing. 
um, you know, and and you choose. Is 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 it? And and an example that I give is is um, there's a family that I worked with that wanted to be the family that um, they wanted to be the the family that everybody would come to and have a good time in their house because they were the only family that had a pool on the block. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So I said, okay, in order, in order for, in order for that, in order for, you know, the, so, so I coached the parents and said, in order for you to get your kids to behave a little bit better, maybe you can talk about what's required in your house to cooperate so that you can be that family. Do you know, do they, you know, you can't have people over if, the house is a mess or, or the yeah. kids are having to do homework or they're not hospitable because they're on their phones the whole time. What are the, th- what are the certain things that that family needs to do that has values that allow them to be part of the community? And so they work towards that certain things in the house that they had to participate in or take care of themselves to be responsible for what they were at that age. And it changed the dynamic because they were working towards a goal or a value of what, what their family was about. Um, and like and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked, you know, and it, as opposed to lecturing and saying, you know, your room's a mess. We can't have people. Yeah, open, yeah. Right. And, and so, um, so ultimately what most people care about is having a sense of understanding and a sense of control. Everybody wants to be understood. Everybody wants to be able to tell their story my daughter basically told us that we didn't understand her when we were trying to protect her for her safety. We weren't, she wasn't trying to be a bad kid. We just weren't listening to her Mm. and understanding what she was going through. And all we have to do is, you know, you have two ears and one mouth and, you know, we need to listen more and just, and listen intently, not while we're on our phone, not while we're watching TV, just listen intently and be curious. And then we need to, and then we need to give people a sense of control. And sometimes it isn't allowing them to do anything they want to do. It's actually just giving them choices. So you can give your kid a couple of choices and it could be adhere to this new boundary or don't. You have the choice. You get yeah. to experience the consequence or it's, or it's, you know, um, I worked with a family where the kids um, were a little out of control uh, and they were going on a family vacation. And I worked with them to make sure that to, to engage the kids in making the choices on the things that they were going to do while on vacation and plan it in advance and having to present it to the parents. And it got the kids excited and it got them productive. And so they weren't, it wasn't quite all over the place. It gave them a sense of, it mm. gave them a sense of control and ownership in terms of what they were doing and how they were doing it. And so if you, if, if, you know, that just goes a long way. And there are four types of parents. Um, there are authoritarian authoritative parents, which is the best kind. Because those parents are, if you if you look at a four by four grid, the authoritative parents are on the top left and they are demanding because they set boundaries and they hold them, mm-hmm. but they're sensitive and responsive. Okay. If you go further to the right. You have the same demanding, but they're also but they're um, uh, insensitive, and and uh, and and don't listen. And so the, the, those are called authoritarian parents, as opposed to authoritative parents. 
that's not good because you're 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 lecturing and you're saying this is how I was brought up and you're you know you just get it yeah, done and yeah. suck it up and all the rest right yeah. that's yeah. not a good form of parenting I was kind of that parent right and I learned how to become an authoritative parent rather than an authoritarian parent if you go if you go to the bottom left you have sensitive and responsive but you have um uh, a parent that can't hold boundaries so they're not demanding and those are permissive parents so they let you know they'll 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 set a rule and then let them let the, you know say you can only yeah. have so much time on your phone and then two hours later they've they've <laughs> they've exceeded that time on their phone or they can't get together with friends and then they get together with friends or they argue with the the the, the child and escalate so permissive parenting isn't that great but the worst kind is in the bottom right are ones who are uh, not attuned and and have no constraints. So they're uninvolved. That's the yeah. uninvolved parent. And what usually happens is my wife was permissive. I was authoritarian. You need to move towards the authoritative as best you can. And having one parent in the household who's authoritative is kind of the best. Studies have shown that. And then what happens is if you don't have two parents who are authoritative or if it's a one parent household being authoritative um, you just need that proactive alignment so if your styles are a little bit different at least gotcha. you're on the same, at least you're on the same page and so and so understanding and control is kind of my message and thanks for letting me flush out those types of parenting styles I bet your listeners say yeah I'm not you know every parent is one of those four and they probably yeah. can put themselves in that box and, you know, and most fit into the authoritarian, which is, or the, or the permissive. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, as opposed to um, the other two. So did you say, I just want to make sure that I got this right. Did you say it's best if there's just one parent that is authoritarian? No, I said, I said, I said you need to have ideally you should have at least one parent. At least it one. It would be okay. better if there were two and it's authoritative, gotcha. authoritative, not authoritarian. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotta yeah. get it right. Authoritative. And it's great if you have both, but at least one. Right. And yeah. when I work with parents, they're neither of them may be. Or if one of them is, the other one isn't aligned. And my objective is to help to move them in that, that direction so that they can set boundaries, hold them, yet give their kids a sense of understanding and control. So when parents come to you, and I'm sure their kids are all different ages, is it are there parents that come to you like for prevention, like, like they want to make sure they get ahead of the game, or is it we we don't know where else to turn? Yeah. I would love it if parents came to me proactively, and I would say that's maybe one in 20. And the parents, I'm working with one set of parents right now who have a 13-year-old who's getting defiant, mm -hmm. um, you know, and he's just going through puberty and learning how to make his way through the world academically and socially, but he's getting pretty defiant and trying to carve his own path and not listening to his parents and his parents aren't handling it well. And they basically said, we're, we're nervous that our child is, you know, not going to succeed in school and maybe in jail in two or three years if we don't 
rectify this thing. And I said, great, you're, you called it a, a good time. I'd rather have you call me now and we can yeah. work on it now than, than th- you know, two or three years from now where, you, where your kid got out of jail and, and damage has been done and you're figuring out how to do it. And a lot of it isn't correcting the kid. It's it's actually called parenting, not childing. It's how to make the it's how to how the parents react to the kid mm. and take care of them, their own mental health and themselves. And then if they do it right, then the kid will respond differently. And then, of course, you know, a majority of, cl- of clients have tried a bunch of different tactics, therapists, mm-hmm. Uh, medicines, other things like we did, and it's just not working and they need a different approach. And I I feel fortunate in that I I had a business background and I was really good at, I I wasn't the smartest guy. I wasn't the best sales guy. I wasn't the best looking. I'm, you know, just this average bald guy, but, but, but I was always really good with developing people. Yeah, because I knew that in order to scale my business and it was a service business, it needed to be more than just me. So I was always attuned to my team about where they were going, what uh, what impact they would have, where they needed help, how their compensation would drive their behavior. And and our company, our com- the company that I you know, was a partner in grew, grew, grew to an Inc. 500 company. So we did well. When I got certified as a parent coach, I went through two national programs that took a year to get certified, including, you know, uh, doing sessions, mirroring sessions, classwork, testing, the whole nine yards. I learned how to be more of a, much more of a facilitator for people who have got a lot more going on in their personal lives at different Mm -hmm. levels. And ultimately, that combination of two things has led me to be uh, pretty effective. And I get, you know, my go- average Google review score is 4.9 out of five. And more than anything, I hear about the lives that have been changed. And I give credit, yeah. to the pe- I give credit to the people I work with. I'm the facilitator, but the people I work with, they have to want to change. They have to want to, they have to want to do the work because it's not just taking a pill or just a layup. Um, but those who do, they really see it a big change and how, how can you put a price on, on family happiness and harmony? Mm. You know, there are so many manuals to do different things at work, you know, to do different, to, to learn different schools and uh, to learn different trades and, 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 and ways of doing things. But parenting isn't one of them. We just kind of figure it out. And, and uh, you know, you can read a book, um, you can watch a YouTube video on how to parent, but ultimately that doesn't really tailor its needs are catered to the individual. So what happens is you read something, oh, this is a great concept. Maybe I'll try it. It doesn't quite land. And then you don't know what to do next. You, you find another book. So what I do is I have an approach where I can tailor it. Parents can try certain things. We, we rehearse them so that they have a better opportunity of landing. Mm-hmm. And then they come back to me and basically say, hey, this worked perfect. You know, my kid was really receptive. I didn't expect this. I'm so happy that you know the 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 approach and the and the and the training really worked. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, great, that that exceeded all our expectations. Now let's make sure it sticks and you don't fall back into the old behavior. Or it's, yeah. you know what, I I, I wasn't confident and uh, and we rehearsed, but I it didn't come out right, and my kid pushed back a little bit. 
And this is what happened. And I'm like, okay, what do we need to do to adjust and, and figure out how to do it better next time? Or, you know, a curveball came up, you know, something else happened in their lives where they had to focus differently or it didn't work out. So having an accountability partner and a person who, what I say is I've seen the movie, you know, everybody's situation is different, but patterns are the same. Um, enables me to really be helpful and be be a, yeah. a good partner to people to make sure it sticks. And my job is to work myself out of a job. If I've done a good job in three months, you know, within a couple of weeks, they should see really good. Um, they should see movement um, and and progress. And yeah. within three months, they should they should they should be able to do it on their own comfortably and have seen a different trajectory. And there are parents who work with me beyond that, um, but that's depending upon our circumstance and choice. Andy, how rewarding. I mean, how rewarding for you. I mean, I cannot even imagine because your kids are everything to you. And to make that huge change. And you said within three months, that's really quick. I mean, that's unbelievable. Well, it takes 21 days to change a habit. Yeah. Right. And if you, if you really want to, you know, if if you're consistent in your application in terms of the way you're communicating with your kid, implementing those boundaries aligned with your spouse or co-parent or what or what have you, or yourself if you're a single parent and you're consistent and they see that you're serious about it and that they can't take advantage of you and misinterpret things, mm-hmm. behaviors do change. Now there are some some that don't that take yeah. longer. You know, and and it depends on the kid and the parent, but typically, I'm you know, typically it it, 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 it makes it makes a big difference. And you know, I, nothing makes me smile more than when I get, you know, when I when I get notes from parents that I've worked with in the past. I did a webinar recently on better parent-child communication, and I included former clients on my email list to let them know I'm doing this webinar that was hosted by another group. And um, she emailed me back and she said, oh, I'd love to attend. I, I I can't tell you how much better my relationship is with my son mm-hmm. since you since since, you know, since I started utilizing your approaches. And this was a kid who was 18 years old, who um, was a single mother. The co-parent wasn't very involved and she couldn't deal with him and live with him. And so she paid to have him live in somebody else's basement somewhere. Oh and gosh. he was basically sleeping all day, doing drugs and door dashing for two hours a day. That's all wow. he was doing. He couldn't work a full day, wow. couldn't fully function. And his communication with his mother was horrible. And and ultimately, the power was in the mom and her approach to working with the son changed his life around. He's living back home. He's working full time. He's off drugs. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the mom is actually has a better communication with the other co-parent who was not involved at all Mm. because of the way she was able to manage it. Usually when you have a co-parenting situation, there's so much um, emotion tied up in uh, how to manage the kids the right way. And also, you know, the breakup, you know, that that they, you know, they didn't get along well. Someone was right. Someone was wrong. Someone was bad. Someone was good. And so, you know, when you're able to cooperate in the best interest of the kids, you can figure that out. That doesn't always happen. And then you need to have a different mindset and not be triggered by it. If you treat it as a transaction, meaning I'm just, 
It's just a transaction. I'm just lot logistically looking at what's the best interest of my kid when mm-hmm. we take turns driving the kid to soccer practice. Yeah. You know, I'm not worried about who's right or who's wrong or who, who's bad and who's good. Just get it done in the best interest of my kid. Take the emotion. Oh Don't my God. put the kid in the middle of it. It's easier said than done, but it works. Yes. Yeah. Do you ever meet with the kids too? Is it always just the parents? Most of the time, it's just the parents because they're. it's through their behavior that they're be able to impact the kid. Yeah. Yeah. There are situations where I do meet with the parents and the kid. And I have an office here in Atlanta, so I meet with people in person. But I work with I, oh. I, I work with people all over the world. Actually, I have, I have I have clients in Australia, in the UK, and Chile, and in Canada, mm. and across the United States because parenting is yeah. still parenting, and they find me or yeah. I get referred yeah. and all the rest. And so, but I won't meet with the kids unless unless uh, the parents are aligned. I want the parents to have done the work yeah. or some of the work. Yeah. So that it's so that I'm not just a referee, right? Yeah. I want to be able to back the parents in their play, right? And 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 make it all work. And and uh, so as a facilitator, I, I, I'm a, you know I'm able to do that. And and uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I'm not a child therapist. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds to me if you're helping them communicate better with their child you're also helping them communicate better with each other as a benefit you know they're learning to listen to each other also 100%. i mean when, when i first meet with parents um and see that we're a good fit for each other i do an intake session first before we start any of the coaching and it's just one 90 minute session where i send them a questionnaire and then we go through it i want to know what their relationship is like together, what their relationships are like with other people, how they grew up, what trauma they saw mm. or, or endured, because it it impacts the, you know what parenting successes successes they've had or not, what their goals are as a parent and for their kids, so that I can kind of we can kind of put a plan together, and that's the first step of a framework that I have. It's called a four A framework. So I assess first. And then we address, so we put a plan in place and then start the coaching, mm-hmm. then they act and then we adjust. So it's for uh, my 4A framework. And, and um, like yeah, and um, what, I'm sorry, you asked, what was the question again? <laughs> I was getting so involved in like, okay, I don't meet with the kid, I meet with the parent. And right. I was like, wait, wait a minute, but... I wanted to know, you know, the process and you just answered it. So it's, it's for, it's the four A's. Right. Okay. All right. Don't worry about it. Okay. So we're never going to get to all these questions, which is fine. I get it. Uh, Backing up. It was the communication is the benefit between. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank yeah. you for, thank you for, you know, thank you, thank you for helping an old guy. Um, no. <laughs> so one is, of the things I care about, it, yeah. one of the things I care about in meeting with the parents is to see what it's, what their relationship is like. And usually it's fractured because of the struggles they're having with their child. Cause the, even yeah. if they're aligned, it's stressed. But what I end up finding out is that they don't spend a lot of time together enjoying each other. Right. So, so what ends up happening is they, yeah, we will go out 
you know, to dinner once in a while. Okay, when was the last time you went out to dinner? Oh, three weeks ago. What did you do at dinner? Well, we talked about our kids, <laughs> right? So where, yes. where, where's the bond? You know, when a husband and wife or two partners get together, they, they get together because of the, of the love for each other, not because their job was to procreate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, and so finding, you know, so, and then when you're on opposite sides of the table in terms of when you have trouble with the kids and you're placing blame on it, it becomes even more fractured. So, so I try, one of the things I do is try to make sure that, you know, well, we don't have time to do that or don't have time to talk or don't have time. Yeah. to. We have time to watch sports. You know, you, you have time to go out with the girlfriends, you know, just, you know, you have time to, you know, make, make time for each other, even if it's just taking a walk together you know, a I couple agree. times a week for half an hour, right? And and talk and enjoy each other as opposed to focusing on the kids and on top of being aligned, which makes a big difference and made a big difference for us. It's 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 things like this Bruno Mars thing. Yeah. Where you create memories and enjoy each other's company that that you need to do every now and then. And it doesn't have to be that ornate or you know that that yeah. uh over the top. You know, it could be, you know, just grabbing an ice cream together, <laughs> you know. Uh, some of my friends who they there's questions, we're not going to get to them, but they were they were like empty nester questions. But a lot of them were saying that the ones they saw who were successful, they started doing things with each other even before the kid left. So they weren't just like the whole life was you know, null and void when everybody was out of the house. They were doing little things like going to the movies, taking walks, you know, trying to find special things about them that they could do. And then they didn't miss their kids so much. I mean, they did, but, you know. Well, a lot of a lot of couples break up when they get to that age because they realize they don't have a connection. The connection is either they had a connection when they first met for a period of years and then their common bond and connection was raising their family or working. Yeah. And then when they start to retire or have more time on their hands, they're like, we haven't really done a lot together over the years other than focus on our kids and maintaining our household. Now, what do we do together? <laughs> and, and a healthy thing, my wife and I do things together, but we do things apart. We have our own friends, we have our own interests yeah. So, so, you know, having that healthiness is, is, is good. And uh, communicating proactively is good too. I'm laughing because one of my friends said she thought for the longest time, her husband was going to the gym. And one day they were sitting there once the kids <laughs> left the house, everybody's out. And she realized he was golfing. And she's like, when did you take up golfing? He's like, where'd you think I was going? And they had to go to therapy because they realized they didn't know each other. I'm like, how could you not know your husband was golfing? She's like, I don't know. Like, I didn't even know he was gone that long. Is that like, okay. And men and, women, men and women think differently and they communicate differently sometimes too. <laughs> I, I actually have a favorite comedian. His name is Brian Regan. And uh, he's he's a national known comedian. He's been around for a while, but he tells a story that kind of is interesting. It's basically he goes golfing with a buddy who had 
six months previously separated or divorced from his wife. And he goes golfing with him for the whole day. And he comes back home and the wife asks him about the, about the husband and uh, about the, the friend who had been divorced and about what was going on in his life. And Brian, who was, you know, telling the story, he basically says he, he doesn't know, (laughs) you know, um, you know, you know, how's Gary doing? Uh, he seems to be fine. Uh, is he dating anybody? I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, did you guys actually share the same cart for four hours where you didn't even talk about each other's lives? No. And the, the, the punchline of it is he says, I know my friend got a new driver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. So men and women don't, you know, they don't always think the same, right. Or communicate the same. And so your example was a funny one and, 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 so no, not, not so, not such a remote possibility. Right. Right. Like, Oh my God. All right. I'm just going to get in this quick because I know we're out of time, but they want to know your take on how, social media is influencing their parenting because in many of their opinions it's made it a lot tougher it it has made a lot tougher and covid because people started relying on everything about life is connection you know we're human beings human beings survive on connection and community and so um, when COVID came, people were relying on their phones more or their technology to connect, and that has impacted our kids. Um, and and social media is designed to be addictive. The algorithms are designed to be addictive. And the biggest thing I could suggest is not the biggest thing. The thing the thing that's worse is that it's a twenty four seven thing. You know, if a kid got bullied at school, he would leave school and have the comfort of home. Now it's 24 seven and and comparing and cyber bullying and, and their stalkers and comparing and all the rest. And so the key thing is to have a healthy understanding about technology use in your home. You know, if, if, you know, I use the example of the pool thing, you know, What's what, you know, have have a family discussion about what's what's a good balance, you know, so that you're not using the phone at the dinner table and you're actually talking and that's maybe a rule and there's a consequence. Um, You know, phones aren't allowed in the kid's bedroom after 10 o'clock. They have to be turned off or, you know, um, there are ways to to manage phone usage technologically in terms of. Uh, when the Wi-Fi goes off or using a phone like a Bark phone, which is a special kind of phone that that gives parents more control. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, rather than it being a tug of war, it should be an agreement upon what's appropriate usage and 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 an appropriate consequence if they violate that usage. But and the parents have to play their part too. Parents are as addicted as the kids. And if the parents are always on their phone. Absolutely. I right? can't be doing that. <laughs> my friends are like, huh? I don't know why my kids. I'm like, uh, I've been at dinner with you. You know how many times you've looked at your phone? Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. Yeah. And we'll have, we have that rule in our house. And there's once or twice where I've picked up my phone because something was really, I really need to check on something in the middle of dinner, but it was something that could wait. Yeah. And I got called out on it and I was wrong. Right. I was like, you got to walk the walk. Right. And so, absolutely. 
Yeah, and I've given presentations on the tug of war between parents and children and social ah. media and how to implement the plan on that. And uh, in the show notes, if you want, I actually have a, a quiz that parents can take. Um, it's a it's a QR code and it's like okay. a 10 question quiz. And it shows where you kind of are as a family in terms of your social media uh, health score. And if there are things that you, if there are things that you do well, I'll, uh, you know, you'll get a reply with what your score is and what you do well and what you can try and do better. And if you're not doing well, I'll do this, you know, I'll do the same thing. I'll give you your score and and, and give you some, you, you'll get some real um, hands-on applicable pointers in terms of how to manage through that. And social media is one of the things that parents have the greatest concern about, Um and it's had impacts on depression, anxiety, drug use, um, you know, so many different mental health scenarios, but parents don't know what to do about it. And they look yeah. towards they look towards the school or our community leaders or even government to try and do more about it. And ultimately it's really the family responsibility. It's and and I'm asked quite a bit, when when is it okay to get my kid a phone? That question is asked Ooh. quite a bit. And my answer is it depends, right? Some families aren't ready. And some families are. If you're if you know, if you're ready, if your family has that discussion and is able to have those boundaries and is able to track them and adhere to them, then the kid could be younger. Maybe, you know, but some families are older, <laughs> you know, have older kids, and you think that they'd be totally prepared and they're not <laughs> not in the yeah. least and so so you don't want to be the first kid to get the first to have, to have a kid in their age group get a phone you don't want to be the last either but you have to have those guidelines kind of in between and uh and and uh you know it makes a difference so i think just awareness it's not going to get any better phones aren't going away ai yeah. all this artificial intelligence is just going to make everything more compelling and more online and so we have to be cognizant of it as parents in terms because uh, in terms of how to manage it as opposed to how to make it go away because it's not going away. That's true. I cannot tell you how many times I've even said to my friends, when can I have your eyeballs? <laughs> like meaning like you're looking, you can't be that important. No, just like, no, I'll wait. I'll wait. They're like, Sandy, why do you want you know, me to look at you. I can hear you. I'm like, I don't know. I'm old fashioned. You know, I just laugh. Like, cause I'm well, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, it's disrespectful. I mean, you're not important enough for them to give you their full attention. That's right? it. I'm going to tell them that, Andy. There you go. Write that down. You can call it. Well, that's right. not how you tell them that. You say when you, you, you don't say that. You don't say you're being disrespectful. You say to them, when you don't give me your full attention when we're together, I feel disrespected. Ooh. And I'd like you to put your phone down, please. Yeah, that's a good one. So it's how it's how you communicate that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Andy, before we go, is there anything else that you want to tell everyone besides where they can find you? Is there any other tips we didn't get in? No, I think we covered it all. I, but I think I really like your mantra, your motto, three minutes per day can change your body and life in a positive way. 
I think that's awesome. And, you know, um, you know, what's important in that message to me is it's not about the length of time. It's about the change that you decide to make and doing it every day. Right. And so consistency every day I wake up, I get my head on, you know, I don't wake up all pippy skippy in a positive mindset. You know, I do certain things that it, it doesn't take long and it's not complicated. It's not time consuming. Right. So any change that you want to make in your parenting to live your best life really revolves around that consistency. And so your message resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Andy, how can they find you if they want to work with you? Yeah, I have a great website. It's uh, parentsjourneycoaching.net. Okay. And uh, I offer, in addition to that, you know, social media quiz, which I'll send over. um, Okay. They can schedule a free discovery call. I got into this business having sold a business where, you know, where having an impact and helping parents was more important than earning the top dollar. And so my view is if I can help a parent just by listening, if I can help a parent by providing alternate resources, or if I can help a parent by being their parent coach, I'm I'm there for them. And so there's a free discovery call where I can, they can just, you know, have, they have access to my calendar right on, right on my website. The other thing is I do have my own podcast. It's called Winning Parenting. Ooh. And so um, it's literally strategies that I've used to help parents, you know, become happier um, and and uh, more successful in their parenting journey. And I bring on a lot of different experts too that I interviewed oh, cool. to try to to try to you know to try to uh, bring light to certain aspects or certain things that people are going through. And the whole idea is to give people an ear, to give people some inspiration, to give people some guidance along the way. So you can get it on any of the major, major apps. Awesome. I love that. All right, my let's keep it real people. Andy and I would really appreciate it if you share, like, and rate it. And you know what I'm going to say. Until next time. Thanks, Andy. And toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.